As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. Normally, not right now, we are not broadcasting out of the University of Guelph because we have been de facto banned from the university, which I think is quite unfair because the recording equipment is quite good and things sound way better typically than in my home office, which is where I am. Android's Dungeon is a show about books, movies, games with an emphasis on the tabletop variety of pushing cardboard. You can check us out on the interwebs via Instagram, searching Android's Dungeon, or on Twitter, AD Radio CFRU, or shoot us an email at droiddungeonradio at cfru.ca, or actually, I think that's the Gmail one, droiddungeonradio at gmail.com. I am joined today by the lovely Kayla Campbell. Hello. It's been a little bit. Kayla, how are you? Oh, I'm quite well, Jack. Thank you. How are you? I'm well. When I say it's been a little while, not since I saw Kayla, but since Kayla's <laughs> been on the show, because I've seen her quite a few times since the last time she was on the show. <laughs> we usually start off every episode of Android Dungeon by asking what you've been playing recently, but I think the odds are usually pretty low that Kayla's played something that I have not played. Why don't I, can, you, can you remember the last time you played something that I wasn't around for? Um, yes, of course I can. What a question. Sure. Take your time. Uh, you know what, Jack? Let's just keep going with the show here. <laughs> what have you been playing recently, Kayla? Well, Jack, let me tell you. I know this will come as a surprise to you, uh, but I've been playing a lot of My City. Let's get right into it, then. My right. City. Uh, GIF. A birthday, or excuse me, Christmas present from uh, co-host Joel, who is not here today, as you can tell. Uh, it took about half a year for it to show up between yes. him ordering it at Board Game Bliss and it showing up about a week ago. And he was hyping it up and saying it was one of the most fun games he's played in a long time. Mm-hmm. Kayla? There's a, lot, there's a lot of hype. Kayla, has it lived up to the hype? It's pretty good, Jack. It's pretty, pretty good. Do you want to set it up or do you want me to? Uh, you go ahead. My City is a game that came out, I think it was in 2020, by the legendary game designer Reiner Knizia, that I'm pretty sure if we were to go downstairs and look at the shelf, uh, Knizia is way overrepresented in terms of designers. Uh, he's created some legendary games. Uh, off the top of my head, uh, Tigris and Euphrates, I think, is what a lot of people consider to be his best game of all time. Uh, but uh, he's got, uh, more recently, it feels like he puts out games every... <laughs> it feels like there's not a, a month that goes by that a game does come out by him. Uh, my City is, I'd say, fairly different experience from him. And it is, at first glance what looks like something that Uwe Rosenberg would have put out. And it is a 
tre- tetronomino or a polyomino tile laying roll and write legacy game. <laughs> and it is one of the most interesting and at least engaging and frankly fun games I've played in a long, long time. At least that, that aren't like classics. There aren't things that are like obvious games that we just we know and love, which we'll get to in a bit. But the premise of my city is that you and up to three other players, I, I think it's a, I don't think you can play it solo, so you gotta play it with at least another person, uh, will be have a board in front of you. And everyone's got three colors of buildings. And by buildings, I mean they are different sort of Tetris style. And what happens is there is a central deck of cards, similar to something like uh, Welcome To, let's say, or God forbid, uh, something like um, uh, Second Chance. And you're going to flip over a card every round, and everyone has to put the piece that matches the card that has been drawn on their board. And there are a couple of rules. There's a river that runs through the map, and there are a couple of weird spaces that are like mountains or forests, and you're not allowed to put those over. And you have to cover up all the green spaces on the board without going over the river or onto illegal spots. And at first, things are very simple, and you're punished for having any green spaces, and that's that. And you think, okay, this is simple. I've done this a million times. This is Feast for Odin, but weaker. And then every round, the rules change. And every round, you score differently. But you keep all the previous rules unless otherwise stated. And every round, you add a little bit more to the mix. And after three rounds, a chapter is over, and you go into the box, and you open up another envelope, and you bring out fresh content with fresh pieces and fresh stickers. And you're drawing on the board, you're putting stickers on the board, you're covering up spaces, and the a person who is first typically gets a smaller bonus if they get anything, and the person who is second usually gets more bonuses as a, like a bit of a catch-up mechanism. And that's where we go. So long story short, over the weekend, we have managed to play half the game, I believe. Is, am I wrong about that? We hit the halfway mark. Yeah. So Kayla, tell us your thoughts about My City. So I am a big sucker for a legacy game. Um, the last legacy game that Jack and I played, just the two of us, was Charterstone, which Jack didn't love, but I thought was super, super cute and adorable. Um, and my city is similar that you're like building up uh, a town, a city, a, a place um, from nothing to something. I really like my city. I think it's really good. It's very hard not to binge on it, as uh, Jack warned me many a times. We definitely had to restrict ourselves to one chapter a day. So each chapter is an envelope, and each envelope has three episodes in it, and they're all kind of like themed together, and you progress from like through to industrialization. So we're definitely kind of like ramping up to more like modern type of activities. Uh, so it's, it's really good. And what is it about it that you find particularly engaging beyond the legacy elements? Because the legacy stuff is, it's, it's handled very well. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, if anything, it's, it's like a, on the, the lighter side because it's, it doesn't yeah. feel as heavy as something like, um, 
I think Charterstone, maybe the legacy stuff was a bit poor, more pronounced and Pandemic Legacy is a bit more pronounced. In this one, it's, it's, it's not as game-altering, but it still feels present. Um, but what, what, do you, what do you find the most engaging about it? Well, I just I do really like a tile laying game and like a building game. So we have lots of games that are about building cities or or that type of thing. So I really like that aspect of it, which is probably what is kind of selling me on it. Um, and I think like the randomization of it is kind of like frustrating, but also appealing because you're never really sure what's going to come up because the cards come up in a random order. You have to play them. Like you can't just like put them wherever you want. You have to follow rules. Um, so I think some of like the random aspects of it make it unpredictable. And I like the Tetris aspect of it. Like there's a lot of games that we play that have that aspect, Feast for Odin, you know, Second Chance, you mentioned that. That kind of like trying to fit it in is very, I, I appeals to me. Funny that we we played so much of this game, and I th I think for me the beyond the fact that it just plays so quickly and the rules, even though you could argue get are getting more and more complicated, but because of the way they're doled out, it feels natural. Because you typically you play one round of this rule, then you play another round with that rule and another rule, and then three rounds, and you you keep adding another one. But they feel like intuitive, they feel simple, and they all kind of like bounce off similar theme, like variations on a theme. But I, I think for me, what's really getting me is that rather than maybe opening up an envelope and it being sort of like, whoa, everything's different, everything's changed. And like, there's still plenty of time for something like that to happen. But I think what you mentioned before, when you talk about this march towards this sense of progress, this sense of sort of civilization to where we're starting off with just building basic things and then we're getting into mining, then we're getting to forestry. And then I think that did we finish with uh, like actually saying the age of industrialization has come? Industrialization has come. I think it's like it's coming. It's on its way. Yeah. And we already we also we already knew that we're not. This is not a spoiler of the game. If that's like a concern for someone, the yeah. the game is very clearly is like you're going to go to industrialization. But yeah. I think yeah, you're right. Part of what's so appealing is that. Uh, it's a quite like you know where it's going you're right there aren't any like massive whoa there was a dinosaur dropped on the planet <laughs> and everything's gone like you know that's not going to happen because that's not reality it's very much based in like you know loosely but based in reality so you know you can feel where it's going yeah unlike charterstone which again i really liked you definitely like all of a sudden it's like you have this like a lot of randomization and like a lot of you know the story could go so many different ways based on what happened in the previous round and you never really knew what was going to happen and like all of a sudden like you know someone was a ghost and then they came back like it's it, it was very like whimsical that way whereas this one is yeah. definitely more rooted in reality yeah it definitely the charterstone i think comes from a more of a uh, uh <laughs> i don't want to besmirch uh him too much but it comes from more of a, a western ameritrash style of sensibility where it's wackier that it kind of isn't as rooted in sort of balance and it's more of like a bit of a take that and kind of a punishment -y type system that it, i think my issue with charterstone is that 
it just felt fairly hollow. The game never evolved in a nice way, and there it, there was a lot of degenerate strategies that would show up that re- resulted in you just kind of doing a couple actions similar to Scythe in a way that was kind of like, oh, you, you're building this little like worker placement engine, and it feels kind of cheesy, versus the roll and write second chance style of this, where it feels like everyone is on equal footing, you're you're making do with what pieces have shown up, and you're gonna live or die by those decisions. Versus, uh, well, I got this this dumb little engine going here that uh, I guess somebody could disrupt, but there's there's really no point because they have their own dumb little engine. It makes no sense. So, it's I I think Charterstone was just kind of a a huge missed opportunity that I feel like my city. And I'm glad you brought it up because I feel like my city is doing exactly what Charterstone wishes it had done, mm. except way better. Do you think the makers of Charterstone are going to hear this episode and come ask us for some like tips or something? I think Jamie Sigmeyer was going to is he's going to hit hit <laughs> save on this one and definitely pay attention to every word that we've said just so he can go back and rethink Charterstone because I think if they did Charterstone kind of like season 2 or Charterstone 2 and ditched the communal board or maybe had a central communal board but everyone still had their own home board maybe that's what would be more interesting rather than the sense of like everyone everyone working off the same board because in its current implementation i think it was a it was a more or less a failure in terms of both game design and legacy versus my city which is lighter on the legacy element like i've said but i feel like it still feels way more fun and more unique and that you're developing your own town over and over and over again versus Charterstone, which kind of felt like you're just playing a worker placement game, that a weak worker placement game and a weak city building game simultaneously. But I, yeah, I know you you enjoyed it more. It's kind of interesting that you mentioned like if there's a season two, because I think that is an interesting opportunity for them to potentially evolve. If we think about other legacy games like Pandemic, there's now two other chapters or yeah. seasons after the first one, which yeah. we haven't tackled yet, but I'm sure we will soon. Yep. So. Just thinking about that, do you think that the the next season of Pandemic that we do will be much improved? I hope so. I think I've heard good things about this one. Uh, the only thing I'm worried about is that I I think Pandemic Se- Legacy Season 1 was just so good that I'm concerned it's going to be lightning in a bottle in terms of trying to catch what made it so good. And, and hopefully they, they rise above it and they take the best parts and right. kind of run with it versus feeling kind of like oh no we expended all our good ideas and now we're kind of playing catch up or we're trying to reinvent the wheel that's we reinvented the first time and now we're trying to re-reinvent the wheel i don't know we'll see i i i think there even a even a weak pandemic legacy would still be beyond <laughs> a lot of the games that we've uh played that have kind of like just kind of like shown up and dropped with a thud mm-hmm. because not that they're bad games but there's just nothing to kind of keep you playing them again it's kind of like you get a taste of it and you go, okay, I know everything about this right away. And it's, it's, I feel it's underwhelming, but sometimes the, a, a game just really has to put its best foot forward or else you're not going to want to go back to it unless somebody really is a diehard ad- advocate for it and says, no, 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 try it again, try it again. And here, I'll, show, I'll tell you what you did wrong or I'll show you what to do because this is more interesting than it appears because the amount of times like we, you can bounce off a game that's otherwise quite good, maybe just because you had a bad time with it or maybe you weren't in the mood, but... All that's that's a long-winded say, way of saying I hope season two is good because there's two and then we've got zero <laughs> that Joel has. So there's a lot of pandemic on the horizon and I'm sure there's going to be pandemic season three coming up too. So 
Anyway, that's my city. Uh, I think we can both give it a hearty endorsement so far, even though we're only halfway through it. But when I say the fact that we're even saying halfway through it and we've played how many games of it? Like 24? No. 12. There's 12. We can play 24 total. Yeah. So we've played 24 rounds of it within a matter of like three days. We've played 12 rounds of it. 12 rounds of it? Oh, okay. Still, a lot more than a lot of games. Yes. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Absolutely. So, uh, and you didn't mention, we haven't mentioned this yet, but um, there is, they call it an eternal version that you can play. So the, the player boards do flip so that you can play it uh, long term as just like a regular game. So we'll yep. definitely give that a try once we're done ours. And unlike, so the difference, I think, again, comparing to Charterstone, just because it's on the mind. Yeah. Um, the Charterstone, like, eternal game that you can play afterwards is all based on the... The legacy stuff. Yeah, the legacy stuff that you made. So the end game can still be quite a bit different than what it would have been otherwise. Whereas I'm pretty sure, and I haven't read the rules or anything, but I'm pretty sure that the eternal game for my city has different rules like i'm sure the concepts are similar but the because the board is different there's a whole section in the user or in the rule book that uh, we haven't looked at yet because it's for the eternal game i believe that it's like unimpacted by um the legacy so it'll be interesting to see how it stands up as a standalone game yeah I have a feeling it'll be, I think it'll just, there's no way it can stand up on its own beyond, because the legacy part is really doing a lot of heavy lifting here, because the game itself is, it's fine, it's fun, You're but right. it, 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 it's tiling at the end of the day, and I have no, I love tiling, but it's, it's, there's nothing really pr- comp- compelling you to keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's not, it's not exactly like the most dynamic tiling game, like we've no. played 12 rounds of it. But I think we're only like, you know, we're pushing th- through because we want to see what happens next. I think yes, yes. we're doing something like really interesting in the standalone game. I think it'll be definitely hard to compete. And I, I think we'd probably struggle to get it out. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, which is kind of like the sad part of a legacy game. Unless you do the like eternal version very well. Or the game itself is just fantastic, and I think fundamentally, the like we were saying with the, with this one is that there are very few legacy games that can that succeed on their own merits. And when yeah. I say legacy games, I think I'm saying beyond something like like a lot of people swear by Gloomhaven, even though the legacy elements are extremely low in that game or extremely minimized. It, they, they're there, and there's this RPG side to it, but it's not. It, it's more just a campaign that you're going through. And the legacy parts are just kind of, yeah, it's fine. The game itself is like the mechanics are tremendous versus in this one with my city, the mechanics are fine. They're, they're perfectly entertaining. They're perfectly functional, but they're, I don't think anyone is sitting there going, Oh boy, my city, what a brilliant mechanic of like laying tiles in a way that they fit. And you cover up the most spaces on the board like that. There's nothing special about that on its own. It just works as a broader game. Yeah. It's definitely the legacy is doing, definitely a lot of work in the game so uh so moving on from well actually let's let's take a musical break before we go and then we'll uh, we'll talk about another uh classic tiling game that we are we've talked about many times but we haven't played in a little bit and uh we'll be interested to get kale's thoughts on it so stay tuned
On Jubilee Street There was a girl named B She had a history But she had no past When they shut her down Russians moved in Now I'm too scared I'm too scared To even walk on past She used to say All those good people down on Jubilee Street They ought to what they preach Yeah, they are to practice just what they preach Those good people on Jubilee Street And here I come up the hill I'm pushing my got love in my tummy and a tiny little pain and a ten-ton catastrophe on a 60-pound chain and I'm pushing my wheel of love up Jubilee streets I look at me
beyond recriminations The curtains are shut The furniture is gone I'm transforming I'm vibrating Welcome back to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was Jubilee Street by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds from their album Push the Sky Away. I forget what year it came out. Uh, big fan of the song. Uh, I'm not sure if he does this one live or not. I, I think was just he, about to ask if we've seen it live. I know we've seen it live. I don't know if it's a staple of the live show, but... Uh, it's definitely one that's entered the rotation pretty frequently, and uh, it's a great song. And I and it just kind of is when I was thinking about it, just thinking about how disappointed I was when that uh, his latest show was canceled because uh, I think I had those tickets <laughs> ready for. It felt like almost uh, like three quarters of a year before uh, it was going to show up again, and then it was canceled, of course. So big deal. But uh, I have to keep an eye out for when they start touring again. But Jubilee Street from Push the Sky Away, great album. Probably the last Bad Seeds album that I think is unequivocally good because the next ones like Ghostine and uh, Skeleton Tree have just been ugh, not good, not good. Don't want to listen to them. Not my thing. A little experimental in an unfun way. But anyway, moving onwards, we were talking about My City, which is a tiling game involving Tetronomico, Tetronomo or uh, Polyomino pieces and then we moved on to a game of feast for odin which we have not played in it feels like a few months and it's i think it's one of my favorite games easily um but it feels especially 
cozy playing it up at the cottage. Kayla, what were your thoughts of this round of Feast for Road? Well, I agree that we have not played it in a while, but I think we've talked about it on the show like quite a bit, so it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Yeah. Um, I love Feast for Odin. I think it's fantastic. I also think it's fantastic at two players, which is how we mostly play yeah. it. I honestly, we, I think we talked about this a bit, but the last time we played it four person, we taught two of our friends how to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, it's really like Jack and I have been playing it just two player and i actually think that it's quite good at two player and i think like often and i'm pretty sure that i've complained about this before on the show that often you get a, a game and the two player version is just like subpar or you have to have like a dummy player which i hate because it's mm-hmm. so annoying to manage um so i think feast for odin really does quite well as a two player game which i really love um but i still like i still don't think i have any idea really how to play like this time i like had a lot of animals and it was like fun and i enjoyed yeah. it but i just like i i don't i just can't quite excel like i can't get the right things clicking together or i'm not like maximizing my role my plays because often i feel like there just is not enough time like there are not enough turns in the game yeah. To really get your engine going and then move it quickly. So I just, you know, for the many times you've played it, I still don't feel like I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I think we both are, like, we've played the game so many times, we both kind of struggle with a couple of things. And I think part of it is a fear of uh, grabbing islands early and <laughs> fear of, uh, or an inability to get longhouses uh, quickly and also fear of using the four Viking actions uh efficiently because the the way it works is that typically you want to aim for three points of action per viking whenever you place them down and if you're not getting that much out of them then you're you're making mistakes and it can be tough but the game is so scary because you start with so many negatives on your home board and every time you take an island it has tons of negatives on it and there are all these restrictions on how you can put these tiles down and how you can lay them and it's very tricky to get tiles and you have to think about which tiles you want to get because some of them are easier to put on certain places than others and some fit perfectly in some places but you can only acquire them in certain ways and there's a lot 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 going on and also there are occupations and the occupations can kind of guide you in certain directions and there are the work or the the personal houses or the personal sheds you can start with artisan sheds which you start with in the norwegians expansion which is kind of guiding you as well and Generally speaking, you want to be doing either uh, you. Everyone can get animals. There's no not a problem with that. But you want to be whaling, and, or you want to be raiding, or you want to mix them up and kind of try to prevent somebody from doing both. If you're lucky, uh, if you know what you're doing, you can really screw somebody over with these things. But uh, it's a it, for me. I think if I can get over, like I think my my best score in the game is like 110 or 109. Um, which I think is okay score, but for the amount of time we've played, I feel like it should be way, way more. <laughs> but I don't know, Kayla. It's it, it's just it. Please. I that's how I feel too. Like I just feel like for the amount of times we play, we should be better. Yeah. Although I mean, when you say like you should be getting three points per Viking, yeah. I never think about those kinds of things, and I think that's also my downfall is that. You've spent a lot of time research, researching strategies for the game, and I know that you 
read them to me or gave me a piece of paper that I was We've got them printed out in the book or in the box. Yeah. Yeah. One is supposed to read them and know. And it's just like not something that I pay attention to. I yeah. just don't think that I am like I love winning. I'm competitive, but I'm not I guess dedicated enough to do that. It just like it to me it, part of it is it kind of sucks the fun out of it. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not trying to like I just want to play the game and see how it works. I don't want to like overthink it. And I'm, you know, the whole time, if I'm, instead of just like being like, Hey, I want to go collaging this time. Yeah. Then, you know, I'm thinking, well, okay, so I do want to do that. But like, is pillaging really going to get me exactly what I want? Am I going to get three points per Viking? Am I screw myself later because I didn't do it? Am I missing out on an opportunity to play an occupation? And I just, I don't, I personally don't want to put that level of, like pressure on the game. I just want to play. Yeah. And yeah. And it's, that's perfectly valid. I'm just, I think there's just, there's, there's room for, if you feel like you're kind of stagnating or you're not going forward far enough in it, I think there's nothing wrong with looking and seeing, like looking for bits of advice and maybe thinking about stuff that you would <laughs> never consider being better uh, than you thought it was. And uh, for those who don't know, for Feast of Roden, it's a worker placement game that by Uwe Rosenberg, and you're putting down tiles very similar to my city, except they're, generally speaking, a lot blockier, and you upgrade the tiles through a sequence of events that kind of like are emulating trading these things or uh, swapping them for better stuff with other Vikings, but there are some very unique pieces you can get by either building them or going raiding, as Vikings are known for doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're basically trying to build... It, it's, it, it's an engine builder at heart, and that's what tricks people, because it looks like it's just a tiling game and a worker placement game, but the worker placement and the tiling are all in service of building the engine that allows you to cover up these hilarious spots on your player boards, which are just haunting you from the very get-go with negative after negative after negative. I think I've covered up my home board once. Uh, in total and it wasn't like one of my better games it's just because it's just not very efficient it doesn't make you a lot of points it just stops you from losing points but uh when it clicks it clicks and when you start to get a good engine going and you start to get something like really popping i think it's extremely it, it's extremely satisfying but like you're saying kel it's just like getting to the point where things are just mm -hmm. you have so many pieces you don't know what to do with that's tricky and I think for us getting, I think lawn houses will be the real breakthrough when we finally start using lawn houses properly. Because how many games do we finish with surplus reds and uh, uh, yellow pieces? So this game, I maybe had one surplus red or yellow. Yeah. I had a homeboard, I had a long house, I had a, like a specialty shed, and I had an island. So I used really everything I had, like down to every speck of what is it? Iron? Coal? The ore, yeah. Ore, yeah, sorry. Uh, like, I used everything. To th and I still had tons of negatives. And I don't know if, like, the problem was that I started too late on some of... Like, I didn't take an island till pretty late. You took an I island too late. That's the problem. Yes, thank you. And... Um, I think, like, you need to get into either, like, longhouses or islands that produce bonuses early so that when you do get all those reds and yellows and you're filling things in a right away and you're getting stuff for it and then at some point you're filling you know your bonuses are turning into 
greens and blues and you're filling in other things and you're, you know, improving things that they fill those spaces. So there's just more like aggressive early on, I think is maybe the way to go. Um, but also like I had a lot of animals this time and I had a lot of fun with that. So. Yeah. Well, as long as you have fun and like you're saying, there's no way to like, it is a competition, but I think until we both break that wall and we start hitting insane points and it comes down to like feeling very competitive because at, at this point obviously we want to beat each other but at the same time it feels like i just want to i just want somebody to succeed tremendously <laughs> that's all i want to see as i want to see some like really creative uses of pieces and getting and i like aggressive islands and uh, doing fun stuff with certain things because it, it just see, feels to me like there's we haven't cracked it yet and when we do it's going to be something special but until then we're just kind of we're just still gearing up we're still figuring out how to play this game properly so but anyway exactly. feast road it's can't wait for the uh next expansion which i believe is the danes but it's been delayed and uh who knows maybe we'll see it this year i have a feeling we won't but uh it'll be interesting to see what happens with that one so uh the last thing i want to talk about in the dying minutes of the show we got four minutes to chat here and then we're gonna go to we'll finish off the show with some music is uh, we introduced uh, First Contact, which we've talked about a little bit on this show. It is the more advanced version of code names between aliens and humans trying to communicate with each other and build up languages and symbols in, set in ancient Egypt. Uh, we introduced this game to two people who had never heard of it before or played it, obviously. And they had talked about how much I believe they liked code names. Is that how we yeah. brought it up? Julia, we were looking at the games, and Julia was saying that they really like Codenames Pictures. And pictures, I was, yeah. It's so hard. No one likes Codenames Pictures, yeah. but it did. So we thought, like, okay, great. First Contact is going to be perfect for them. And I think they had a ball, to be honest. I think they really had a good time, because uh, you can kind of get a feel for people if they're like, you know, they're not having a good time, or they're confused, or they're just kind of sp like being polite, <laughs> hopefully. But it looked to me, unless I was totally misread the room, that uh, Peter was totally engaged. He was very fascinated. He was doing his best. And Julia was definitely, like, she was looking at stuff and coming up with good connections between words. Yeah, uh, I loved... I don't know. Have you talked about it on the show before? Is this a new concept for people? We, we, we've talked about it briefly. It's uh, We haven't gone into, into depth about it, but... Um, I did mention how the first time we played it that it was a little confusing, but now it's it's I think it's pretty easily teachable by our standards. Just a little bit, little bit more confusing. But we had a I I don't know, Kel. Where does it fit for you? If you were going to pull out a party game, do you think this would be within arm's reach for you, or do you think it's just a little bit too much? I think it's actually quite good. I think it's actually funner at a party. You had a drink or two, you can kind of be silly. Yeah. Um, thought that Julia's use of like multiple symbols to communicate was really good. Yeah. It's kind of like an advanced kind of tactic, yeah. And it was really great to see that catch on right away. And I do think that it's very like achievable. Like it I mean it is somewhat complex. I think it's if we were especially if we were at a party with people who had played it and already knew it, no question. It's super fun. Yeah. I, I would have no problem introducing this in a bigger party environment. Although it feels it feels so weird saying in a bigger party environment because I feel like back when we were 
I don't even know if we've done it here, but I feel like when we were in Edwin, we had people over plenty of times and had uh, people in the living room and we were playing like party games en masse. And uh, yeah, it's it, a different, we were playing like Captain Sonar all the time and we were yeah. playing uh, Panic on Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't it, Party games. Well, I mean, it's been a year and a half since we've really been allowed to have parties. Yeah, and it it just kind of feels maybe that's the big thing. Maybe that's all it's kind of like weighing on me. I just feel like I hopefully we haven't aged out of the time when we can actually have these or play these types of games with people that they don't they wouldn't come over and they'd be like, oh, Jack and Kayla are trying to get them get us to play another board game of some sort. It's ugh, didn't want it's an age thing. I think people love games at any age. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's aged at all. I think it's simply that no one's been allowed to have a party. You yeah. know, I said to Joel the other day that. You know, we haven't played Captain Sonar in forever. And he said, he pointed out, when, when was the last time you had eight people together? And that's, yeah, exactly, that's a good point. You know, I think we, we need to bring a renaissance to the party game. Well, that's so we're out of time, but let's let's leave on that note. Party games are going to come back in a big way and we're going to make it happen. And it, things things will never be better. All right. That's my promise. <laughs> we're going to bring the party games back. Panic on Wall Street, Captain Sonar, First Contact, you know, all these big games that are meant to be fun and quick and for people to have a good time with so on that note i'm going to finish the show by playing two tracks first one is plotness and the second is planetarium from the same album by square pusher hello everything 2006 i think which is almost uh you know <laughs> it's 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 a 15-year-old album, <laughs> which is crazy to say. Uh, but thank you for listening. Android's Dungeon, CFRU, 93.3 FM. You can just check us out on all the favorite podcasting websites, because that's where we are. Or on CFRU.ca, live at 1 o'clock, which is where you're listening to it right now, or through archives, whenever you feel like it. I'm Jack. I'm Kayla. Have a good one. Bye-bye.
Thank you.